Hello, hello, doll faces. Welcome to a new brand spanking episode of Dolls Disassembled with Paige and Lisa. That's right. Hello. That's Lisa. <laughs> Usually we got either like a Sam. Has Kyle ever joined us on a Dolls Disassembled? No, he hasn't, but he will have to one day. Yeah, let's uh, let's see what movie he'd like to do that's like within our near-death doll realm. I have a really good idea of one, but I'll tell oh. you later. And I think, I think some of our patrons would really like to hear us review it. Ooh, all right. And Kyle's Kyle might be interested Kyle too. Kyle would That'd probably be awesome. interested. Yeah, I think so. That would be so cool. Okay, we do mean to do more of these, but we have to find the right movie, and we have plenty of other stuff to like research. So mm-hmm. these just kind of <clears throat> happen whenever we find the right movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and today our movie is something very close to home in terms of what we've been putting out for you guys because of Dolly Docs. So on Dolly Docs we've been talking about the keepers. And the keepers is to do with priests and kids and how they shouldn't interact like that. Now, yeah. <laughs> this movie is called Spotlight. So if you guys have ever seen it or you haven't, we're going to spoil it. So just, you know, heads up. Go watch it. Yeah, definitely watch it before you listen to us talk about it. Otherwise, you're going to have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, there's no way to, like, dance around spoilers. We're just going to forge ahead. <laughs> now, Spotlight was a movie that came out in 2015. It's rated R, so don't let kids watch it. But it's on Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Liev Schreiber, and some others. Lots of people in this movie. Here's the synopsis. The true story of how the Boston Globe uncovered the massive scandal of child molestation and cover-up within the local Catholic archdiocese, shaking the entire Catholic Church to its core. It's core. (laughs) Gotta strengthen that core, Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was directed by Tom McCarthy, writers Josh Singer and Tom McCarthy. So that's that's just the basic overview of the movie so you guys know where to find it and what it's about. Yes, and we watched it on Netflix, but I think they just took it off Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> you won't be able to watch it on there anymore, but if you can find it anywhere else, I suggest watching it. Mm-hmm. I swear, even though I watched it recently, I've watched it a ton of times, even though I watched it recently for this episode, I wanted to watch it again later in the week. It's just... To me, it's a really good movie, in my opinion. Later, we'll get to Lisa's opinion when she's ready. (laughs) When I'm ready. When I'm good and ready, damn it. When Lisa is good and ready, she'll give you her her rating system on this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said before, this is similar to The Keepers, and that's why we wanted to do it. Because it's about priests. And it's also, there's so many little tie-ins from the Keepers to this movie. And we might be talking about them as we go through that you guys might, like, pick up on because of our other, our other show, Dolly Docs. (laughs) Now, Lisa. Yes. Go. What do you think about that? Not necessarily your opinion, but where would you like to start talking about this movie? Uh, okay, let's let's start talking about maybe storyline, then we'll get into, like, acting and stuff like that. But 
yeah. storyline, I found this to be very intriguing. And filmography-wise, I guess you could say, maybe, maybe not, maybe story-wise. <laughs> I don't know exactly where this fits in, but I'm so glad they didn't actually show any uh, little boys being molested. Or children in general. Yes. I, that's what I was yes. afraid of. Because I told Kyle, because I really had no idea about this. I knew it was people looking into the church regarding, um, you know, exploitation of children and sexual abuse of children. So in my head, I was like, I really don't want to see any, like, reenactments or anything mm-hmm. like that. I feel like that was going to really make me not feel so good in the guts. Um, yes. So I I was very happy to that it didn't have any of that. I mean, there were a few people who told their story, and that was heartbreaking. Um, I don't feel like they got super duper duper into details with it. No, um, no, this movie is nothing like how they talked about it in The Keepers. No, and that's what I was kind of nervous about. And Kyle, like we've been watching The Keepers, uh, Paige and I have been watching The Keepers. Kyle has not watched with me, and I know, and I know because he doesn't. He's not in a true crime anyway, but he he really cannot deal with that. Um, so when he's like, "Hey, you're gonna watch a movie? Can I watch?" I'm like, "Yeah, but it's about the Catholic Church and uh, you know child molestation." He's like, "Oh, well, maybe not then." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, I don't know how much is in it. I've never seen this. I know very little about it. So you're welcome to if you want, but so. yeah, yeah." Did he give it a shot? No, he, he oh, stayed okay. in his office. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know what that's funny is that Sam loves it. I think 2015, me and him might have seen this in theaters together. We both really like this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, and I know they're completely different, but Sam also will not watch The Keepers at all. Really? For the subject matter, just mm-hmm. like Kyle. Yeah. And it could be that this movie, like we said, this movie doesn't have, it doesn't go into a lot of details about what happened to these kids. It does enough. It really does cover it very well. It just does not go into that, like, stomach-turning detail. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree. Yeah, so I, yeah. I definitely appreciated that. Um, I liked the interaction. Like, I guess I've seen some... Uh, movies or TV shows like that work around a like a newspaper or a magazine and how everyone has their role to play in things but I felt like yeah. this was a lot almost a different take on it I don't know why but I, I guess I've never seen it where like there's a, a division that spotlight is um, within the mm-hmm. newspaper like I guess I've never seen like when you're on your own team and they kind of work together and then they have to kind of go to the boss for approval on things and come back and reformulate and stuff like that so I just kind of thought that was interesting and then also how the I guess head of Spotlight who was uh, his name was Robbie he's played by Michael Keaton my one true love Um, I know he was so great (laughs) oh my gosh he was amazing and you know what I I knew Michael Keaton was in this I didn't know what role he played and all I kept thinking was please don't let him be a bad guy please don't let him be a pedophile priest please I didn't I didn't know what role he was going to play so I'm like just please don't do that because that would taint him a little bit in my eyes even though I know he's an actor he may have he may do all kinds of terrible stuff as a person but like he might he might I just literally watched Beetlejuice today so I'm like he can do no wrong at the moment Um, even though he's the absolute bad guy in that movie (laughs) (laughs) he's a likable bad guy come on I know I know I love him but um but yeah I was I liked him as a character and I thought it was really interesting in the story how 
several people kept saying, we sent you this information and you guys ignored it. And every time they said that, I'm like, well, who did they send it to? Did they send it to the main editor, like, back in the day? Or did they send it yeah. to him? And it turns out that they had sent it to him specifically, right? Am I Or am yeah. I wrong? No, you got that right. And okay. they, they were leading up to that the whole time. You're right. Because he even said to several people, like, well, who did you send it to? And they kind of danced around it because mm-hmm. they didn't want to be like, you, bitch. I sent it to you, Michael. <laughs> 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 right. I kept thinking, like, who? I'm like, it must have been the old boss. Like, whoever the editor-in-chief was at the time sent it to him. And it never made its way to Michael Keaton's character, Robbie. And I was, yeah. But then when it finally came and he's like, yeah, I got it. I ignored it. It just, you know, wasn't blah, blah, blah. Whatever his excuse was, I was just like, wow. Here I thought he was going to be totally innocent, like unknowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. he wasn't. He w- he was not innocent in that. And I'm like, damn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wrote the fucking, he wrote an article about it in a different section, made it real small article, mm-hmm. like didn't dive in deep. And it was like he maybe had been told by the old Mm editor-in-chief bury that like we don't want to mess with the catholic church or we don't Mm -hmm. have enough information or something i don't know and that was before he was in spotlight but yeah absolutely yeah and that's part of the story is that the very beginning of this movie they get a brand new editor-in-chief who's from out of town and he's in there to kind of shake things up a little bit and he's jewish yeah yeah, so he has no, he doesn't give a shit about the Catholic Church and like any them leaning on him or anything. And that's a theme you see throughout the whole thing is people, every time these reporters are going and asking questions, they're like, leave it alone. We're all Catholic here. Like, the Catholic Church does so many good things. And they're like, are you, are you kidding right. me? And right. Yeah, so to have the Jewish editor come in and be like, uh, I don't give a crap. I'm not about to hide this. This is terrible shit happening. Right. This okay. is what we need to be writing about. This mm-hmm. is what should be in the newspaper. And that's played by Lee Schreiber. I think he did an amazing job. He did. Oh my God. I don't, is he Jewish in real life? I don't no idea. I mean, maybe his based on his name. I don't know. I didn't Google it. I don't know, but he might be. But I mean, he, I don't know why it sounds so terrible and stereotypical. I'm like, he played a very good Jewish-looking guy. He, he is. He did. Okay, he is. His mother was Jewish. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I figured with the last name, but I didn't want to assume. Right. But, um, yeah, he's, he played a really good, like, understated boss-type character. He did, very and he smart. had a presence. And I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you have. I've gotten plenty of new bosses. Like, I'll be working at a place for a while, and then I get a new boss. And yeah. you... You either respect them or you don't. And I think when they all, when he comes in, he has this almost like commanding presence, but on like a chill level without being, chill. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Like you're nervous seeing him, but you also know that he's going to push you in the right direction as a good boss, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of, he gives off that presence without saying anything. I'm like, how did you do that, Leif Schreiber? <laughs> he did a great job. And he just, I think his calmness and the looks he would give, it was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll shut up now. Or I will do exactly what you say. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But he never yeah, like, exactly. raised his voice or yelled, but he had that presence. Yeah, def- I've definitely had bosses both bosses the bosses that will like yell to get your attention and they have to be the loudest and biggest in the room Mm -hmm. and then there's the understated bosses who really are in charge of everything and they have 
they have like the wherewithal and the forethought to really take charge of this team and everybody knows it and everyone just stays extra quiet. Like the quieter they go, the quieter (laughs) everybody else goes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was great. He was really good. And speaking of outsiders coming in to like shake things up, the lawyer that starts off he kind of kicked off this whole thing and brought it to the attention of Spotlight. His name, the character, I'm sorry, the actor's name was Stanley Tucci. Tucci, uh huh. Oh my gosh, I didn't even recognize him. I saw him. I'm like, I know that guy. Who is that guy? He and looked different, didn't he? He looked yeah. so different because you're used to him like completely bald with his glasses and his. I'm looking at his IMDb picture, but I me usually too. see him bald, and I think he had like a wig or something on, right? He did. He had hair. Yeah. And he was playing a Armenian, I believe. Yes, he was Armenian. Yeah, he played Armenian. I thought that was interesting. I did, too. I thought he was going to also be playing a Jewish person like the um, editor-in-chief, but he was playing an Armenian. His name was Mitchell Garabedian, and he was a lawyer Mm -hmm. trying to represent victims of sexual abuse against the Catholic Church. Right, and I love I loved his character, and he only got better. He only became more likable. Because at first, I'm like, I like him, but he's kind of a jerk right now. But he yes. became very likable to me later, like, as the movie went on. Extremely likable. Same thing, like, yeah, by the end of it, mm-hmm. you can see why he's such a jerk in the beginning. It's because everyone's treating him like shit for trying to go against the Catholic Church, and he has to just keep moving forward. He can't stop and, like, let them be mean to him, you know? Oh, He's yeah. like, no, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep being a professional and make this work for these kids and these adults who used to be children who mm-hmm. were abused by priests. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so he was the one who was kind of spearheading this whole thing, kind of under the radar, though, but he knew what he was doing. He had a very interesting system for trying to get the Catholic Church to release documents that they already had about these priests mm-hmm. and their the molestations going on. I'm not even sure I can describe it. Do you think you could get into how he did that? Oh, when they kind of revealed it at the end? It was, I guess it was kind of towards the end. Or he middle end. to Mark Ruffalo. Yes, yeah. yes. So... Uh, okay, it's been a few days. And I, Whenever we watch The Keepers, I usually do it the same day we record, so it's ultra fresh in my mind. So I'm going to try to remember this because it's from a few days ago. But I believe he was trying to do a motion, and somehow they had to kind of attach the... What were they? Letters? The, the, they were letters, right, that the, the cardinal had? Yeah, it was definitely, there were some letters, there was some paperwork mm-hmm. involved, yeah. yeah. I think it was, I think it was letters, but in some way, by him attaching, and then also, I don't think he attached, I think he motioned for something, they had to, the other side had to include the letters as attached somehow, and that made it, like, public record or something to that effect. Oh my god, I'm the worst, I can't remember exactly how it worked, but it was, it was some kind of underhanded way that still made it legal and made it yes. technically yes. public. Yeah, it was a way to get it submitted as evidence. Mm-hmm. He had to prove. My problem is I'm not very good with like legal terms and how ca- court cases work. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm I'm like I don't know if I can describe it, but I do know that it was definitely part of the evidence. Like because he was making this motion and they were trying to block the motion, he had somehow found out the right to be able to 
for they had to they were forced to attach these documents that they'd been hiding for years mm-hmm. to his case because he needed to prove why his case was valid. Yeah, that like sounds that. about right. Yeah, that definitely sounds way more right. <laughs> Reason <laughs> you had the smarter words. You had the smarter words. I was like, I don't know. It's just they needed the papers. Yeah, <laughs> so. it, made, it made sense. But um, but yeah, I was like, that's super smart, and I love that. And I was, and I thought it was so interesting because Mark Ruffalo's character goes finally when they're like, okay, they've been you know made public technically, and yeah. he runs to the courthouse. And, I mean, he can't get in because they're just locking up for the night. But he comes back first thing in the morning, asks for them. And they're like, yeah, no, these are sealed. And he's like, um, no, they're public. And he's like, nah, they're sealed. So he goes and talks yeah. to a judge. And as he's talking to the judge, the judge is like, look, these are very, they're, they're public, but they're very, like, sensitive. Do you really mm-hmm. want this? Do you really want to write about this? And he's like, how can we not write about this? Isn't it unethical to not write about it? Right. That's what it was, isn't it? I mm-hmm. forgot the wording, but you got I think it, it was right. Because eth- he like said ethics. Yeah. Ethics. Yeah. Is this ethical to write about? And he's like, is it ethical? How is it ethical to not write about it? And the judge was like, well, touche. Here you go. <laughs> well, I think the judge very, very begrudgingly like said, fine, fine. I guess, technically. But yeah, I'm like, like they couldn't say no at that point. I don't care yeah. what religion, and it's it, it's crazy. I don't know if this happens in any other religion or if we just maybe haven't seen it. But it's like they seem to stick together, and they don't want to let anybody know when anybody of the same religion has done wrong. And I'm like, why would you keep like that's the most horrible thing to do is protect someone who's done wrong, and, and is and then yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like protect protect people who've done wrong to the people who trusted them Mm -hmm. and covering it up and making the person who's the victim feel even worse for Mm -hmm. what's going on and then going off and being like but we're the catholic church we do so much good it's like but do you look at all this shit in your in the wake of the quote-unquote good things that Mm -hmm. you do if you had gone ahead and said like oh yeah we've got a problem with the priest we're working on it mm-hmm. and like been a lot more open about it it wouldn't seem so bad you know it's like you know of course in a big uh, a big institution there's going to be some bad eggs as long as you get rid of them or try to help them in some way and like be open and honest about it it doesn't look as bad Right. But the Catholic Church was, and you're right, it's like all these people in this town were Catholic. Even in that whole room of spotlight people, they're all like, yeah, we were Catholic, but we don't go to church now. <laughs> like, I've fallen away from it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And they had that little question in the back of their head of, like, well, should we be going after the Catholic Church? And, like, yes, yes, we should. Yeah, I think maybe for a split second they might have had their reservations, but um, something else I wanted to talk about was how the leave shriver's character um said you know i don't want to go after like one or two priests i want to go after the whole institution the whole system we're not just saying this priest did wrong he's the one bad apple the church is great no there's a whole system leading all the way to the vatican of you know terribleness i don't know a better word for it but like this is a whole cover-up it's a whole system they're getting they pay off people yes yes so i thought that was interesting that they weren't just saying here's the bad eggs no that the whole carton's bad (laughs) yeah yeah trying to reveal all of the corruption of 
trying to cover up for Mm -hmm. these bad eggs. And I'm really glad they did that, too, because if they hadn't, it would turn into the same thing as what Michael Keaton's character had done years before that he didn't even remember because of all the, you know, all the other stuff he'd been into, you know, Mm -hmm. since then. Right. He didn't even remember writing that article. If they had only concentrated on even just the... What, is, what was his name? I know his last name was Law, because of course I would remember they that. They just called him Cardinal Law. Cardinal Law, thank you. Okay, so Cardinal Law, they were like, well, let's just go and treat on him, because clearly he knew about this one priest, and then he said, no, we're not just concentrating on one person. Because mm-hmm. if we just concentrate on Cardinal Law, the Catholic Church can be like, oh yeah, that's just that one branch. Everything else is fine. Right, that one so leave like Schreiber. diocese or whatever it's called, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That, that was a smart... And I, I, I know this is based on a true story. I don't know how many actual like things that are said are really true or actions taken that were completely true, but like that was, that was smart. Absolutely. Totally smart. Um, I don't know how many of the... Um, like the things that they were saying and the things that they had to do are accurate, mm-hmm. but reading into the trivia for the movie they did a really good job of trying to portray like all of the people they're portraying sometimes when when a movie is made based on a real event they kind of like they'll take one person and split them up into three different people and give them different names just to like make a better story Mm -hmm. but in this one they're portraying real people and at least Michael Keaton and um, Mark Ruffalo were able to meet the people that they were portraying. I believe um, the girl was as well, Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. I believe she was also able to meet the person she was portraying. But when Michael Keaton met the person he was portraying and he did his impression to see how it would sound to the real person mm-hmm. that he was doing an impression of, that guy, Robbie, was like, it's like watching yourself in a mirror, yet having no control of the mirror image. Oh, that's nuts. <laughs> I was like, damn, good job, Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't look at any of these people, like, the real-life people, but that's that's good. I'm glad the guy wasn't, like, offended, but, like, that's a terrible impression of me. Yeah, yeah. I'm Yeah, Michael Keaton must have done some good work on that, because he had to put on a Boston accent. Mm-hmm. I don't know where yeah. he's from. He... He said, I don't know where he's from either, but he said in here that that was the thing that made him most nervous, was trying to do a Boston accent. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's from Pennsylvania, so he's close. He's East Coast, so he could probably, you know, I don't know if he grew up there or not, but he probably put on the accent. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he even said that the guy he was portraying Robbie didn't even have that strong of an accent Mm -hmm. just on certain words and so Michael Keaton put it on those words yeah no I definitely noticed that too and I didn't know that that was an acting choice or if that was on purpose or not but yeah that was cool and let me just say I I do like Mark Ruffalo as an actor but he came off very um quirky and a little geeky in this did did you get that vibe because usually when I see him I think he's like good looking and kind of smoother but he came off a little awkward to me but that yeah. might be how the real Mike Resendez is I have no clue but I just thought it was kind of funny 
I, I thought the same thing. I was like, either he's oh, an extremely good actor and that person, because I agree with you. I think he's great. Like in Avengers mm-hmm. as the Hulk, he's a mate. He's so cute and like fun and yeah. funny and smooth and stuff. But um, yeah, in this, he's super geeky. I love it. He's kind of annoying. He's like that annoying um, journalist type personality. Yeah, I got that too. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, a little on the annoying <laughs> side sometimes when he's like talking to people or whatever. But um, but yeah, yeah, he's he's pushy. He's pushy. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a line. I don't. I can't find it here. But there was a really funny line where Michael Keaton is telling him like. Um, you need to, they, they're talking about the lawyer, the lawyer we already mentioned that's played by Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. What's the character? Mitchell Garabedian. Mitchell, thank yeah. you. Mitchell Garabedian. So Mike, Mark Ruffalo was like, oh, I can't get to him. He's kind of a, what did he call him? A pain in the ass? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and Michael Keaton's like, well, you're kind of a pain in the ass too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically saying like, use what you've got to counteract what he's got <laughs> yes absolutely and um and i gotta say like they could have done a lot with rachel mcadams character but i like what they did with her they didn't they didn't overly glam her up they didn't make her like a sex symbol in the i mean she's gorgeous don't get me wrong she's very pretty but she's also not i don't feel like she outshined any of the cast that she was working with. She fit in perfectly without being, like, the girl. Yes. Yes, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. They did not glam her up. They didn't, like, overly make up her face. She wasn't wearing quite very nice clothes. Like, her fucking, oh, my God, her pants and most of the scenes. I was like, oh, please, God. But it's <laughs> part of the scene. It's part of, like... That persona of she literally only cares about work. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, she does not care how she looks. She's there to do a good job mm-hmm. and make things happen, just like everybody else. No one in this movie was, like, dressing up nice. No, because they're, they're all Boston reporters. <laughs> like, Yeah. You know, they kind of didn't live in, like, the nicest homes, but that's real life. We don't all always live in, like, the most glamorous apartments in the city. Nobody does. No. Yeah, nobody does. Yeah, not yeah. I love how they did that. No, definitely not. I'm not a lawyer. You know, like, I don't make good money. And even the fucking lawyer didn't make good money, you know? The no. Garabedian. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I do, I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, and, you know, one of the characters in this that I think was, is... I'm not going to say unsung because he's definitely there throughout the whole movie, but I really liked the character's name was Ben Bradley Jr. He was kind of the in-between boss to Michael Keaton and Lee Schreiber. Um, ben. And he's the guy who was in Mad Men. I don't know if you've seen oh, that show. Oh, the gray-haired guy, Michael, is it Michael Slattery? Is that his name? His name is John Slattery. John Slattery, sorry. Very close. There we go. Yeah, ben, I wouldn't ben, have known it if I wasn't looking at it. I saw it earlier. I'm like, I, I like. It. I think he's sexy. I do too, Lisa. I really do. I was like, damn, how ooh, good looking guy. He is a very good. Looking guy for, he's a good silver fox. He is a good. That's part of the reason I was watching Mad Men. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked his character too because he was really good at like kind of connecting dots mm-hmm. between the characters. Like he was saying. At the end, he was the one who was able to give Michael Keaton the floor to be able to talk about, like, yeah, I was the one who kind of covered this up before. And John Slattery's character was like, hey, we were all here. You know, it's all, it's on all of us. Mm-hmm. 
how could we have known, you know? I yeah. Mean, I really, I really appreciated that. He was like a buffer. I don't, wait, no, well, was that him that said that, or was that the one, or was that, uh, no, he, he did say that, right? He said that, and Leif Schreiber was talking to, they were all talking, like, they all had good things to mm-hmm. say, like, Leif Schreiber had a really good fucking, like, monologue of saying, like, you know, it's easy to blame people once things come to light, mm-hmm. but we forget that most of the time nobody knows what they're doing. Oh, that's right. Like, okay, yeah. you're right. I got them those so two true. confused, but you're right. Yeah, Leif Schreiber had the more, like, philosophical answer. Mm-hmm. John Slattery was just like, uh, I don't know, this sucks. We all, we were all in- involved. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I, I definitely kind of appreciated them taking the pressure off from, you know, Michael Keaton's character because... It could have come down. Everyone could have turned on him so quickly. He could have been fired. He could have been, you know, put down by his colleagues. They could have all looked yeah. at him and turned on him as a boss. But they yes. they kind of came around and they're like, look, what happens, what happened. You don't always understand what you're doing in the moments. We're going to move mm-hmm. on and we're going to keep going. Like, we're not yeah. We're not going to dwell on this and we're not going to point fingers. Which I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's a good boss. Thank because, God. like... Yeah, because they could have been, like, made a him part of the feature of, like, and this guy is the reason we didn't talk about this before mm-hmm. and put him in the article and fired him or made him resign or something. Oh, yeah. But he, he, the character, Robbie, made some really good choices throughout the movie to kind of make up for it, you know? He did. He he was turning on his friends who were like, hey, come on, guy, we're all alumni here, you know? Yeah. We're all Bostonians. Can't we watch each other's back? And he's like, is this how it happens? Is this how people get forced into silence is because their friends come around and have a drink with them and suddenly everything's okay? You don't have to worry about those kids that, you know, you're never even going to meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what got me, the one scene that really got me, was when Michael Keaton was talking to the alumni group there. And he's like, did you play a sport? And the guy's like, yeah, I played, like, football. And he's like, yeah, I was a, like, swim or something. He's like, well, this other guy went to school with us. He was on the hockey team. And he keeps asking himself, why why was I targeted by the priest? And it's because he, the priest, coached the hockey team. And he's like, you know what? You and I got lucky that we, uh, we picked different sports. Yeah. Yeah, I love that point he was making of, like, it could have been us. It could have literally been you. Right. And you're sitting here saying, like, ah, it's okay. Just cover it up. Fuck those kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it could have been you. That could have been you. And he had just been talking to that guy, and he said that guy broke down crying in the middle of this conversation. Yeah. Very powerful. Ugh. Goodness gracious. So, um, if you're cool with it, I'd like to point out a few things I noticed between this movie and watching The Keepers. Yes, please dive in because this is very interesting. So, um, so the keepers takes place in Baltimore, right, Maryland? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this takes place in Boston. They're not that far from each other, but you know, they're really not. <laughs> but but yeah, they're different yeah, cities. Exactly. But anyways, um, something I noticed was the circulation of priests. Yes. Yes. How they would send them to different areas mm-hmm. they go to different cities or different churches whenever something came to light about them you know doing whatever it is they were doing specifically um mm-hmm. yeah they would just move them it's just a, r- a rotating thing of priests it's nuts yeah and they know it's gonna happen again because they've been doing it forever and it's like what, what are you doing why do you want this priest around oh, i don't, I don't get it and i 
believe, I may be imagining it, but you can back me up. Um, they talked about them going to like a treatment facility to cure them of mm-hmm. whatever. Am I mistaken, or was that in the movie too? No, they talked about that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then also they had the the books of all the priests in the area and what years they were active and if they weren't active why and how so many of them were on sick leave quote unquote Mm -hmm. yes yes exactly and it's like they they were able to reference it to the pre what the 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 accusations against that priest and it's like it was the exact time that in this official record it said quote unquote sick leave or they even said other stuff like uh I don't know, sabbatical or something like that. Unassigned they had. They had I think. Unassigned. Yeah. 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 So it, it kind of ties into Father Maskell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how he got sent to a facility. Yeah. So, and obviously these facilities aren't, and I think it was not, I don't know if it was more treatment or for study because I feel like in the movie they were talking like, the guy was saying, yeah, I was doing a study on these priests that were committing these crimes, and I was, you know, reporting and trying to find trends and all kinds of different stuff, and he was saying uh, some of it is because of the celibacy, the vow of, I guess, celibacy or chastity that uh, priests have to take, and he said, you know, he's like, probably half of all priests are having sex, but you, not, I don't want to say usually, but it can be with a consenting adult, Yes, yes. Like, they could have a, a a male priest might have a female mistress that's a consenting adult, mm-hmm. and, like, nobody even hears about it. Exactly. But because they're having these repressed sexual urges, they're going to, you know, possibly turn on someone that's easy. I'd say easy pickings, but, you know, they talked about how good it felt when, um, like, when a kid got to go help out the priest and like I said like take out the trash or you know do a favor because it was like you're doing a favor for God and you got all the special attention and then things start evolving into the different attention that's not good yeah yeah it's a slow process mm-hmm. a slow grooming process is, towards yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and we saw that in the keepers where uh the one typist girl I can't was that Lil no I think it was Lil okay Lil yeah uh, where she was, you know, she got to type things up for Father Maskell, and she was like, I felt really important that he was asking me for my help, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she felt privileged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. They were talking to some other people in the Keepers, too. I've been trying to remember. It was several. It was back in the <laughs> early episodes, so <laughs> we've come away, away since there, but... They are talking to some... Oh, it was the... Okay, it was the retired policeman who used to be an altar boy. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, talking about, remember, his nightstick. And he's like, you can walk them like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was that guy. And he was saying when a, when a priest... It might not have been that guy. Fuck, I don't know. But they, it was definitely a guy talking and saying, like, when a priest pays attention to you, it's like God talking to you. And I know, I think even Gene said that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't, you don't go against God. So if the priest is showing you attention, you do exactly what they say because you're just so excited. Yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah. 
Also, they were talking yes. about how, and I, this doesn't really tie into the keepers as much, but I, I have it on my notes here about how priests were targeting like low income, at risk children. Yeah. Mm hmm. Because um, mm-hmm. those are the ones they could keep quiet. Mm hmm. Because maybe they, maybe these kids are already keeping secrets from their parents, you know, maybe doing drugs or this or that. But, um,. Mm-hmm. Their parents are working all the time. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to take care of their kids and listen to them, you know. Yes. So, like I said, that doesn't really tie in so much to the keepers. I feel like, I mean, it might have happened in other parishes or archdioceses, but um, it doesn't seem like many of the girls that went to this, the, what was it, Keo? Keo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they were low income necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like he was targeting low income as much, mm-hmm. but... He was targeting girls who had said they'd been molested before. Right. And they mentioned that in the movie, too, how people who had already been molested, kids, mm-hmm. and, like, the, when the priest found out about it, they would exploit that and, you know, similar to Father Mask, all that piece of shit. Yes. Ugh. Um, what other thing did I have? Oh, something else I thought was interesting. Missing documents. That was a theme in both of them. Yes, missing hidden official documents that it's like, that could just blow the lid off the whole case. But they're missing. Where are they? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was interesting how they can make things disappear, whether or not they truly were destroyed or if they were just misplaced or maybe somebody wasn't willing to go look for them or turn them over, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like in the keepers when they were like, okay, look, I'm trying to do that lady, like impression of that lady. You need hard evidence. Oh my gosh. And don't be whatever Sharon, whatever Sharon Mays. Don't be her. Don't be her. No. She's the worst. No, she's awful. She is awful. I feel like she was, she also was the one who said something like when before, before, back in the day when we didn't have computers, okay. Oh God, don't drop the okay. Okay. Her fucking... Snooty ass bitch. (laughs) But yeah, like the same thing that you're saying is like, what happened to, did they get destroyed in a flood in a basement? Like someone put them in a flood zone to make them destroyed at some point or like switched them out with something else and like they got lost in the shuffle. I don't know, man. But yeah, I noticed there's a lot of documents missing. A lot of, a lot of shifty shit going on. Shady shifty shit. Sus. Super sus. Super sus. sus. Amen. Or not. Amen. Or not amen. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the last thing, I I don't know if this happened in The Keepers. I don't think it did, but uh, in this movie, settling out of court. Mm -hmm. That was a big thing in this movie. Mm -hmm, Because it seemed like a lot of people had settled out of court. court, And um, the one, what was his name? Sorry, with like a mic something the the lawyer the lawyer or the, the schmarmy lawyer what was his mcleish mcleish yes mcleish at first he, he seems like he's gonna do everything he can to help because he did represent victims am i right and yes. but he also took like the settling out of court deal which got them money which got the victims money not a lot like there was a cap isn't that creepy it is it's really creepy that they are already anticipating 
a lot of lawsuits, so they're like, we'll only play, pay this much to every person who comes forward. It's like, why are there more than a few people coming forward? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> the, the fact that they had a cap on how much they were willing to keep, like, pay out to keep people quiet, and they had to sign, what is it, like an NDA or something, or a, um, what's it called? Yeah. He had to, too. Yeah. The lawyer. Oh, yeah. He's like, I can't really talk about it. Can't really talk about it. Can't really talk about it. And finally, he's like, look, years ago, I sent you guys a list of names. And I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Who'd you send him to? Huh? Hmm. Michael Keaton's character. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I... I was. I'm glad you brought that up because that that character did such a fucking like twisty turn. Yes. Because in the beginning, like you said, he seemed like he was just a normal guy. He's just like, yeah, I can help you whatever you need. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. Then it starts to be like, oh, he's shutting down. He's shutting the door. He won't help. He's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is. Dude, this is a dickhead. And then by the end, he's like, I tried. I tried to get you guys to cover this, and you did it. And you can see the frustration, the genuine frustration. I was like, oh, so moved by that. I know, because he, his character took me for a ride. I'm like, cool guy. Now he's an ass. Mm-hmm. He tried. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. You can see it in him mm-hmm. that he's like, I wanted to do the right thing, and nobody would let me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. <laughs> so much going on in this movie. Oh yeah. And um so do you think everybody like do you think everybody acting wise did a good job? Was there anybody you thought was kind of kind of a meh actor? No. I at least all of the main characters that I was paying attention to, mm-hmm. like the Michael Keaton, like everyone who worked at the paper who was like a main face. Mm-hmm. They were all amazing, I thought. I thought they did a great job. Even, like, the guy that they barely paid attention to, Matt Carroll, mm-hmm. his character. I thought he did a great job when he found that house that was so close to his house. <gasps> that, that gave me chills. Oh, my gosh. And then he me runs too. home and makes the note, do not go to this house or talk to the yes. men in it. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, and he was like, can we please just release this goddamn story so I can tell my neighbors not to let their kids near that house? Right. It felt like yeah. an immediate thing. And it was like, it wasn't just some priest that happened years ago. It was like, no, this is an immediate thing that I need to talk about to people. And they're like, no, not yet. We got to save the integrity of the article. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has to be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and I liked how they did that and how he was able to portray that um, frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I feel like everyone did an amazing job. How about you? What do you think? No, honestly, I think everyone did a great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to sit here and be like, but there was that one actor. It's like, no, even the characters that only had a line or two felt so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, every everybody did a great job. So I I have no complaints there. Yeah, yeah, I would I would ask you who your favorite is, but I think I can. Yes. I love me some Michael Keaton. Like, that has to be my favorite. <laughs> me too. Me too. But I love him too. I, every movie he's in, I just think he's such a good actor. Mm-hmm. But all these other actors gave him a run for his money. He wasn't a standout actor. Everybody did a good job. You're right. Like I said, no. Uh, especially when I was talking about Rachel McAdams, I'm like, she didn't outshine everybody else by being the one girl in the room. She just, she played her part and fit in perfectly. And I think they all did just mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Even like the the 
his friend, Jim Sullivan, Michael Keaton was bugging him throughout the whole movie to, like, give him some insider information, and he kept being like, dude, I can't, like, stop bothering me, and you could tell he was losing a friend by doing that. Yeah. I mean, there's just the acting involved between those two guys. It was, I, I don't know, I was like, damn, that, I feel that. And I guess okay it's not to do with the acting but when you were kind of talking about that part i'm like okay so a reporter is not a police officer police officers get way more information on things because they have that ability to collect evidence and and get statements and stuff like that so they can have that but as a reporter sometimes i forgot that they were reporters and not actual like detectives yeah and Mm -hmm. they have to work within certain boundaries otherwise they can get in trouble and honestly nobody owes them anything no mm-mm. that's why they had to put forth so much of like this is real these are real victims mm-hmm. that we're trying to help and i think that was the way they were able to do it but yeah sorry what were you gonna say about that i thought i did oh okay, okay. <laughs> i'm sorry i was like i didn't want to no you didn't but... no you're right yeah totally but um but yeah i just thought that was it was something i had to keep reminding myself that they weren't police they weren't law enforcement they were just journalists and sometimes you think of journalists as you know not the not having the best integrity um yeah and i i feel like they you know portrayed them as professionals as journalists investigators Mm -hmm. in the way of you know working for a newspaper um without like being a like without being the sleazy scumbag reporter who does things they shouldn't do to get the story i feel like they definitely tried working within their their boundaries and ethics they did Mm -hmm. they did and i think they 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 rode the line really well because they like kind of like what we were saying with mark ruffalo's character he was very pushy and like he wasn't afraid to get in people's faces and be like hey i need this like, give it to me. Do you want to be on the wrong side of this story? That kind of thing. Oh, yeah. It was close, but it, it was still within the realm of what he needed to do. It was like they they were able to be dicks when they needed to be dicks mm-hmm. just to get the story. Yeah, and sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes. Not always, yeah. but sometimes. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to be a journalist, because I was like, I love the idea, Mm -hmm. but I am not pushy, and I do not want to be pushy. I don't want to be calling people up and being like, dude, look, do you want to give me the story or not? I'd be like, oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for bothering you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like working on such tight deadlines, to be honest. I think that would get me. Yeah, it's a high-stress environment. (laughs) Watching this, like, when sometimes when they're there digging through papers and reading things, I'm like, oh, that... Gives me a little mini ulcer, you know, just thinking about having to do that. Digging through papers. Well, not just digging through papers, but working, trying to work fast with a whole bunch of crap on your desk. Yeah, yeah, having to work, like, through the weekends, through the nights, like, you don't get to go home. He even said to her at one point, to Rachel McAdams' character, he's like, you should go have dinner with your husband, because you're not going to see him for a couple weeks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm like, no, I, I, I... I guess me personally, it's like, when I go home, when I leave work, I don't check my work email. I don't take any work calls. Like, I'm done. I, this is my me mm-hmm. time. When I'm at work, whatever. That's, you know, work time. But I separate the two. Like, I don't I don't work overtime yeah. unless I truly, truly have to. But you know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, like you want to go home and not work. They want, you want a, a um, boundaries. divide, a boundary. Yeah. Yes, and they don't have that, and they didn't seem like they wanted it, at least not at that time in their lives. Mm-hmm. I fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, whose character was it? It was Mark Ruffalo's character who, you know, his, I guess he was estranged from his wife, or, you know, they were separated or something. He wasn't living with her. And he, yeah. he alluded to, like, we're working on it. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, he, that was kind of the extent of it. And it almost seemed like he was, like, he was, like, I, because the other guy, John Slattery from Mad Men, he was, like, dude, she's a good woman. You need her, you know, you need to apologize. You need to make this right. Mark Ruff's, like, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. It's, like, I don't see him talking to her at any point in this movie clearly he puts things first which you know whatever that's the job yeah but it 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 does have its consequences though yes yes i I was like i don't know if you're ever getting back with her (laughs) (laughs) maybe once that story was over and also i guess thinking about like the journalistic process they were whenever um michael keaton was meeting uh, Leif Schreiber's character as his boss or whatever and he was like so like what do you do and how long does it take you and he's like yeah we, we usually search for our next story with like like in how long three months or four months we look for our next story and then we could dedicate a whole year to it I was yeah. like wow you take that long to find a story <laughs> no, they have to find the, the right story yeah. the one that will fit the one that will make waves basically right and and that's that, and that's what their department is all about anyway they are like the big hard hitter stories it's not like the the daily story like even just the front page the story that'll be gone in a day or two but yeah they really investigate and stuff yes yes and now you know what lisa i feel like we need teams like this in the world and i'm ignorant i don't know I know that newspapers are definitely going down, mm-hmm. even in this movie. And this movie was set in 2000, 2001. Yeah, something like that, yeah. It was definitely, what, what, it was 2001 was 9-11, right? Yes, it was, because this happened, Okay. started, they started right before 9-11, and they had to cover that. You're right, 2001. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so that helped me figure, I was like, what year is this again? Oh, there's 9-11, okay, it's that year. <laughs> but, um... It was like, they were even talking then, like, okay, a lot of people with the internet, they don't necessarily buy physical newspapers anymore. And I was like, (laughs) now 2021, they definitely don't buy physical, you know, I haven't even seen a physical newspaper in how long. I work with a lot of old people, and they bring in the Houston Chronicle every day. Oh, do they? So every once in a while, I'll like, while I'm heating up my lunch, I'll, I'll grab a page and I'll read something, but... Yeah, they'll sit around in the mornings, the, the brothers that own the company, they're all kind of older guys, they'll sit around in the little kitchen area and they'll just read the paper, and I'm like, that's so cute. That is cute. Okay, so I guess newspapers have an audience, it's just kind of the older generation They're going to fade out eventually. I don't see our generation getting the newspaper. No, no. I don't think I've ever met a millennial in this stage of my life that's like buying a newspaper. Mm-mm. Nope. So it's like... I don't know what's going to happen to big investigative journalism like this if everyone's doing blog posts, essentially, well, as there, news. Well, there are websites, um, like non, non-newspaper non websites, that still will do big stories. Um, 
trying to think of some can't really like maybe like medium uh yeah and like yeah see, and there i mean sorry go ahead news i was just gonna say newspapers have do have websites mm-hmm. like they do are they are trying to maintain some sort of business but um i don't know maybe maybe there are still teams out there who are like doing very hard-hitting investigative journalism well let me tell you some bullshit okay and I'm sure bullshit, I'm sure okay. you've ran into this as a investigative podcaster, if you want to call us that, <laughs> when we do our research. Um, so this last, uh, this next episode I'm about to put out for our regular episode, uh, I, I know I used ABC.com, I used um, CBS.com, and I, and I think NewYorkTimes.com. There was one I was trying to use, and you could only see, like, the little top part, and then it said, you have to buy this article or subscribe. And I'm like, damn it! <laughs> yes, I have run into that, and I don't pay. No, I don't. I'm like, you know what? I will find another source. Bye, bitch. Like, you, you, I bet you anything I'm going to pay the two ninety nine for the whole year, and I'm not going to get what I need. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Exactly. It's like, there is a free source out there with at least similar information if not exactly what you've got Mm -hmm. yep yeah yeah no i'm sure i'm sure as long as people are curious which they will well you know there will always be curious people out there like like you mentioned me and you here we're not exactly investigating things like the catholic church no (laughs) except maybe what they've done in the past like we're not necessarily like heavy hitter fucking journalists right now (laughs) <laughs> we're, but we're telling we're trying to tell stories and we're trying to get to the bottom of them mm-hmm. so you're right even on the, such a small scale there will probably be investigators out there mm-hmm. armchair investigators like the keepers yes that's true that's true i just hope so anyway i hope so too bring down the system the, the corrupt system <laughs> <laughs> all right Paige, we should probably wrap this up is there any last thoughts before we give our dolly ratings I don't know. No, no, because I'm I'm ready to say how good this movie is. How about you? You go first. I don't know what your rating is going to be. Okay, out, out of how many doll heads? Is that a 10? Uh, I believe we've done 10 in the past, okay. yes. I'm going to give this, um, I think it's a solid 9 out of 10. Like, it was really, the only reason I'm not giving it 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have no excuse not to give it 10 out of 10. It was really <laughs> good. And you know what? I... I felt like this had a good build to it without there being any action scenes. And it's not that I like action yeah. scenes. I really don't care. I felt like it could they could have thrown in some stupid action scene. They could have where it was like a fist fight or something. Or or even a I don't want to say a car chase, but I mean, the most you yeah, got was like something. Mark Ruffalo running out into the street trying to get to wherever he was trying to get to that one day and, you know, yelling at yeah. a cab. But, I mean, it, it yeah. did have a good build to it where it was satisfactory without needing action. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the plot progression, mm-hmm. impeccable. Yes, there were there was good twists and turns in this that I really liked. And I felt like it ended wonderfully. I mean, they could have, they could have kept going after they showed what happened at the end. But, uh, yes. But no, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great way to end the movie. Yeah, good, yeah fuck it. 10 out of 10 doll heads. 
You heard it here, folks. 10 out of 10 doll heads for Spotlight. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I couldn't think of any other, any reason not to give it 10 out of 10. It was good on all fronts. They tried so hard to make it look authentic and realistic and not necessarily gritty in the sense that you're watching, like, I don't know, a fucking Chris Nolan Batman or something. Yeah, it didn't have the This was just noir. realistic. Yeah, yeah, they didn't, they didn't... Tr- try too hard to make it gritty Mm -hmm. it was just realistic and i felt it i felt like you could walk into this world that they created oh for sure yeah no definitely beautiful movie beautiful and what i love about it me and sam were talking about this because he and i like this movie and he unfortunately wasn't able to join us today but um one of the things about it is it doesn't make you feel like the problem is solved 100% complete don't have to worry about it anymore Mm -hmm. and that's good because you don't want to in a case like this with the child molestations that are still continuing on and we still need to pay attention to it and you know still try to keep the catholic church accountable a movie that makes it feel like it's all wrapped up and done could make a whole generation of people be like oh no it's done we're good you know wipe your hands of it all the kids are good now, you know, we don't have to worry about post-traumatic stress syndrome, or one of the things in the movie that they talked about was how the the one priest that she got to talk to, <gasps> that old man that answered the door. Yes. Wasn't that intense? Oh my god. I was like, she needs a tape recorder. Why are they not recording this? Like, I know there's certain things that you can't record people without them knowing, but I'm like, oh my god. He's literally like, oh yeah, I, yeah, I, what do you say? Like, I fooled around with them, but it wasn't rape yeah. because I've been raped. And I, you're like, what? Yeah, exactly. Exa- he's like, don't worry, I never felt pleasure from it. It's like, I wasn't worried about that. <laughs> But his rationalization of it was just uncanny. I'm like, are you what? He was complete, like looking her in the eye. He, yeah, he wasn't. He was. I don't even necessarily think he wasn't ashamed. He was just like, yeah, that's just how it was. It's like, okay, calm down. Now, do you think a little scared of you? Do you think it was that, or do you think it was maybe he was becoming senile and he was just not that he was lying, but he was being like very, very honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was being very, very honest, and it could have been because of him starting to be senile and forgetting that he shouldn't be talking about Mm it. I don't know. But to that point, it's like these kids who are molested by priests and aren't helped later on might become priests and molest kids. Or or just continue on the cycle of abuse, whether or not they're priests, but, you know, how much harm has that caused how many times have you seen that where it's just an endless cycle of someone being abused he said he was abused he yeah i don't remember did he say if he was necessarily abused by another priest no because that's what i was paying attention to i was like now was he abused by a priest and is that why he became a priest to abuse yeah but no he did he just said i was raped he did not say who or when or what because his sister came in immediately and was like get out get out of here don't talk to my brother Mm -hmm. yeah so, yeah, I was I was wondering if he had been abused by a priest, and that's why we rationalized it. But whoever, I have a feeling whoever hurt him as a child or raped him uh, maybe said, maybe he said, you know, I get a lot of pleasure from this. So when he was repeating, he's like, I don't get any pleasure from this. I just want you to know I don't get any pleasure from it. And yeah, that's his like, way of, like, defending yeah. his actions. I don't know. 
Yes, like he's so broken, he doesn't even realize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, it wasn't from that situation, but there was that guy that they only talked to on the phone. They never showed him. He was a former priest. You'd mentioned it earlier. He was doing a study, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how the celibacy oath is part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, He mentioned it that um, not necessarily priests molesting kids and then those kids going on to be priests but he was saying that the the way the catholic church covers up pedophilia and gives a vow of celibacy attracts pedophiles because they're like i can come in here i can be in a place of power over these kids and nobody's gonna catch me i will be automatically protected see i don't remember that part to me that seems like a lot of work to go through just to be a pedophile they were talking about it in other cases, too, like when they were talking about Michael Jackson and the kids that he's molested. Mm-hmm. It's, they're saying that it's very similar. It's like people who are pedophiles naturally gravitate even to be like senators or teachers or principals or, you know, not, not all teachers, not all senators, not all priests, mm-hmm. but some of them. Okay. That's like they, they are attracted to those positions of power so that they can do what they want. Mm-hmm. And nobody will catch them. Okay. But all of that is to say that um, I'm really glad at the end of the movie that they were they were picking up the phone and hearing all of these ridic- these victims talking about it, and it made you feel like okay, this is still a problem. This is still something that needs to be worked on. Mm-hmm. It's not solved, and I li- I really appreciate how they did that. Well, I think the job as journalists was to bring things to light not solve the problem the problem will have to be solved by authorities lawmakers and the church itself i think their job was just to put it in people's line of sight absolutely but you're right you could have been you could have been like at the very end like all these priests just getting arrested and thrown in jail i mean does that really solve the problem no because there's all these more people coming out saying all these different priests and all kinds of stuff yeah, yeah, this it's uh, systemic, and mm-hmm. so it's like it's it's a bigger problem than just one investigative reporter. You know, you know what I'm saying. So like, it, that's what I'm saying is like there are movies out there that get kind of flack for making people feel too comfortable mm-hmm. so that they can go home and sleep at night. This one did not do that. <laughs> yeah, I shook my head at the end. I'm like, well, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a little sense of victory, but it's still like, oh, shit, there's a lot more work to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yes. Great movie. I think you guys should watch it if you haven't. (laughs) You've basically heard the whole movie now, but it's really good. So, I mean, I watch it like once a year if I can get my hands on it. Oh, really? Yeah, I love this Mm -hmm. movie. Just the acting is good. Like we've said, everything that we've said is the reason why I like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, great. So I'm glad we got to do this. Me too. Thank you, Lisa. I'm really glad we got to do this together. I'm glad you recommended it because I I wouldn't have, because I feel like we've kind of kept towards like horror and um, sci-fi, but this is our first like true crimey type thing I think we've done, right? It is, okay. yes. I've been thinking about it. I was like, what movie would we do that's true crimey? But this one is just like, oh, yes, perfect. It yeah. ties into Dolly Docks, mm-hmm. and it's true crime, and it's like, you know, we talk about, unfortunately, we talk about kids who have been molested mm-hmm. in the show. Right. But, yeah. Anyway, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you, Lisa. Oh, thank for you. For being here. Thank you. And guys, let us know what you think. How, did you like this movie? How many doll heads would you give it out of 10? Like, what, what, what are your thoughts on it? We really want to know. So please leave us uh, what you think in the comments. Absolutely. We'd love to hear your guys' thoughts about this. Thank you so much. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.